0: So let's pick it up, Ruth chapter 1, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. So instead of trusting in God, a Hebrew man moves his family to a land of pagan people away from God, away from God's people, away from God's presence, away from God's provision. And not too long after they moved, guess what? The man died. And so then a short time later, the sons marry Moabite women, which is kind of a natural flow of things, right? In life, the sons are beginning to marry some of these ladies that are in this foreign land. And unfortunately, it's not a land that followed God. And then the sons died. And what is left is three heartbroken widows no money no food no hope but the wife hears that God is blessing his people again so he just so she decides to go back to God back to God's people and it says in verse 22 that Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth they arrived in Bethlehem right right here at this part at the beginning of the barley harvest This was a time of a pivot point in their life. A whole new season was beginning. Ruth and Naomi have nothing. Their flat broke. The fridge is empty. So Ruth takes the initiative and she puts her trust in what God had set up, the the God of of the Israelites. One day Ruth says to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind. And this is a principle that we're going to see, kind of a a provisional principle that God established in his law for his people. We're going to see it in just a minute. But she's saying, let me do this. Let me go out and let me harvest, let me, what's called gleaning, let me go behind the harvesters and whatever is left and the margins, maybe something they drop, let me me gather what is left so that we can have food. And Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, okay, go ahead. And in Leviticus 19, God had commanded his people not to harvest their their fields fully to leave what was dropped so that the needy, so that the foreigner could gather food for their families. And so, in verse 3 of chapter 2, Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. Now keep in mind, this is a true story. This really happened. It's not just fiction. So she goes out to the fields to gather what she can for her and Naomi, two widows that are trying to survive. And in doing this, she steps into God's plan, even though she didn't know it was taking place. It says, and as it happened, this is the providence of God, and as it happened, Ruth found herself working in a field that belonged to, come on, read that name with me, Boaz. He was a relative, close relative of her father-in-law. She didn't know this. She didn't know this field belonged to him. Ruth could have ended up in anyone's field, but she didn't. See, what we believe, what we just sang about is that God is working behind the scenes. He's always working. He was working behind the scenes. This is his providence. Nothing just happens in our lives. When you follow God, it doesn't mean that, that you know, we don't have to make choices. It doesn't mean that we don't have to take action. But it means that God is at work in our lives as we are obeying him, as we're following him. Ruth's choice became the pivot point upon which everything else in her life turned. And the course of her life was changed. Boaz is a godly businessman. We're told that he is wealthy and influential. He's the boss that everyone wanted to work for. You could read that in Ruth chapter 2. He's, he's the friend that everyone wanted to have. And ladies, he's the man that every single lady wanted to marry. He's that guy. Boaz shows Ruth kindness. Ruth ends up working for one day and gathering a full basket of grain, equivalent to two weeks' wages. How many of you would like to work one day for a two-week paycheck? That's what just took place. And even though you know, this is a, a strange thing, what's interesting is she enjoys not only lunch with the workers, but she takes all of this back home to her mother-in-law And her mother-in-law says, where did you gather all this grain? Where did you get all this? Ruth tells her mother-in-law, the man I worked with today is named, come on, read it with me, Boaz. Boaz. And so Naomi says, may the Lord bless him. He is showing kindness, said kindness of God. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family, here it is, redeemers. This is a key word here. This, this kind of steps into the plot line of this story. God had made a way to provide for widows and families through a, a person called a kinsman redeemer. De- Deuteronomy 25, Leviticus 25, talk about a person who has the ability to redeem the family line, the people, and redeem the family land, the property, if they were willing and qualified and Naomi is saying he's one of those he's a he's a redeemer and then we're told that Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. And then she worked with them through the wheat harvest too. This is a, a period of about six to eight weeks. But all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. So she's going out every day working. She comes home to her mother-in-law. She goes back out the next day. She's working, comes home. There was about three months or so. We can say with no indicator of any other kind of contact between Ruth and Boaz, nothing is mentioned. No text, no emails, no phone calls, no flowers, no cards. Nothing. What got off to what seemed like a romantic start just fizzled. And now I bet Ruth is kind of wondering, are we friends or more than friends? Ever had the friend talk with anybody before in your life? Or maybe you've had that said to you. I I remember... My wife of now 35 years, I was persistent and, tena- and my, I mean, tenacity is my thing. I was pursuing her, and I remember getting the friend talk a couple of times. Now, Bart, let's, I just want to be your friend. I want to be friends with you. We could be friends, right? Ah, I don't like that word, right? I mean, that's the way I felt. No, you're going to be my wife. You don't know it yet. You're going to be my wife. You're going to be more than a friend. And she ended up being, here here is Ruth wondering, are we friends? Or more than friends? Every day Ruth shows up for work, nothing romantic happens. No progress. So eventually the mother-in-law has to step in, right? So here the mother-in-law steps in and she decides to give some counsel to Ruth. This is where it gets good. This, This is the kind of Council, This is the kind of scripture that we want to handle in the adult service and let the kids be in kids' way. You'll see what I'm talking about here. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, my daughter, it's time that I found a home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women over these last several weeks. Tonight, yep, tonight is harvest. He will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Naomi is saying, that Boaz, I like that Boaz guy. Ruth, he loves God, he has a job, and he is good to us. Single guys, that's all you need to know right there. I just gave you the ticket right there to get a wife. Love God, have a job, and be good to him. Right? There it is. Boaz is a guy most ladies would want to marry. He wasn't a single guy who tried to extend out his adolescence. Hello. Boaz loved God. He had a job. He was very responsible. He was ready for marriage because he acted like a man, not a boy. Hello. And Naomi said, he's the one. That's a good guy. Naomi says to Ruth, now, do as I tell you now this is where it gets interesting. Now, do as I tell you. take a bath. It's a good thing. take a bath. Put on some perfume, Chanel number no. five, something like that. you know, put on the good stuff, right? Not the dollar tree stuff, the good stuff, right? And dress in your nicest clothes. Now, just keep in mind, these are peasant widows these are these are widows that have a hot a hard time, and to be honest, they are widows too, so she could still be wearing dark colors, black, something like that, because she is grieving. And Naomi is saying, change your clothes. Put on something different. Put on something nice. Smell good. It's a good thing. Smell good. Then go down to the, th- the threshing floor. But don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what... <laughs> what to do. He will tell you, wow. <laughs> now, I, I don't know about you, but our 21st century mind just kind of has a way to go with this part right here, right? It sounds like Naomi is telling Ruth to put on makeup, put on perfume, put on a slinky dress, until and wait till Boaz is full and happy, and then make your move. Mm. Chicka-chicka-bow-wow, make your move, right? That's what, we're, that's what, it's what it sounds like to me. We, we would never want to tell a single girl this, right? I mean, come on. You never want to tell your daughters to have anything to do with a guy who is in the horizontal position. And everybody said, amen, right? I mean, we get that. We don't ever want to teach this part of the story in kids' way class. Just reading this makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable when you think about it. Seems pretty questionable, right? Seems pretty risque a little bit. It's because we don't understand the culture. We don't understand the context. What does she mean? I mean, this is a mother-in-law. <laughs> Naomi, <what? laughs> you're coming back to God, but you're giving advice like this to your daughter. What do you mean? What do you mean by this? Naomi tells Ruth to be romantic. That's the first thing that she's telling her. Boaz has only seen Ruth working in the fields, and she has been sweaty and dirty and her hair up in a ponytail this whole time, right? He's only seen her in that context, and Naomi is telling Ruth, you got to look good. you got to look good. To be romantic, you got to look good. If you're really wanting to pursue this guy, which I think you are, and he's a good guy, You've you got to look good. Next, Naomi tells Ruth to be respectful. In that culture, it would have been highly inappropriate for a woman to approach a man of community influence like, like Boaz in broad daylight. It would have come across as pushy or presumptuous, maybe even, I don't know this is not a word, but prostitutional, if she would have done it in broad daylight. So she tells Ruth, Go at night so no one knows. Next, Naomi tells Ruth to be smart. I love this part. When you think about it, she's saying, hey, don't just run up to Boaz and come across all insecure to him. Oh, Bowie, we just need to talk because I don't know where our relationship is, right? No, that's not. That's not what Naomi is saying. She's saying, don't come across as needy or desperate to a man like Boaz, Because he's not looking for a girl, he's looking for a woman, a lady. Let Boaz enjoy the buffet until he's full and happy and satisfied. Let him enjoy the harvest celebration. I mean, think about it. They've had famine in the land for all of these years, probably more than 10 years. And now they're having a full harvest. And this is a huge celebration for this agrarian culture. They're enjoying this. I mean, this is payday. This is payroll. This is when they gather all of their profits. And then he would pay his employees off of the pile of grain. This is the day that they're celebrating. Let him enjoy his friends and workers as long as he wants. And then, talk to him. Lastly, Naomi tells Ruth to be obvious. Ladies, listen to this one. Don't let Boaz miss your intent. Make it clear. Put it right in front of him. Lay at his feet. Uncover his feet. I mean, I wondered. it doesn't say it, but I wonder, because she uncovered his feet, did it make him cold? And that's what got his attention. I mean, she's making it obvious. She didn't mince words. She got right to the point. We'll see in a minute. She's, Ruth, or Naomi's telling Ruth, get Boaz's attention. Don't let him miss this. Ruth was asking Boaz to exercise his role as kinsman-redeemer, but she's she's saying, I I, I, I want you to fulfill this role, but even more than that, I want you to take me as your wife. Ladies, I don't think you should chase after any guy. I really don't. But like Naomi says, you need to make things obvious. Listen to me. Sometimes us guys, we miss things, (laughs) I mean, don't, don't play that subtle, coy stuff all the time with the guy that you're serious with. Let him know where you are. Let him know where you stand. Make it easy for us. Obvious. Naomi's plan is simple. Risky, but simple. Risque, no. Risky, yes. How would Boaz interpret this? <laughs> Think about it. <clears throat> A young woman, all dressed up, smelling good. Lying at your feet when you make, wake up, it could mean a lot of things to a single guy, right? I mean, just honest. And Ruth takes this risk. Look what it says. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and follow the instructions of her mother-in-law. The threshing floor is where the harvest would be gathered. It's a hard packed area of land, usually in a raised location, maybe on a hillside. And workers would smash the wheat or the barley either using winnowing tools or an animal, something like that. They would toss the the, uh, wheat or barley into the air with a winnowing fork and then the wind would blow away and separate the lighter husk, the chaff, and then the heavier good grain would fall to the ground and they'd allow gravity to help them in the separation process. And when the harvest was complete, the grain was gathered, the workers and owner would celebrate with a party. And then they would sleep there overnight to guard against thieves, to protect their profit. And so after Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he laid down at the far end of the pile of grain. He went to sleep. And then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. This is ninja Ruth, by the way. That's a different form of her ninja right here. She's coming in. And around midnight, Boaz, nobody laughed at that. I thought that was funny. And around Bo, uh, midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. And he was surprised to find a woman lying in his feet. Guys, would you be surprised at that? And so what does he do? He asks a question. Good question. Who are you? I don't think he was asking it in the wrong kind of way. "Mm, Baby, who are you? No, no, no. I think he was just being honest. Hey, who are you? What's going on here? I mean, imagine how fast Ruth's pulse is running right now because everything hangs on what she's going to say right now. I am your servant, Ruth. Good words. I submit myself to you, is what she's saying. I submit myself, my future, my life, my hope to you. I put my life in your hands. She says, spread the corner of your covering over me for you are my family redeemer. Again, this is a cultural thing. There isn't any hint of impurity. She's not saying, can I slide into the sleeping bag with you? That's not what she's saying. There is no more immorality in her words or actions. She is expressing the desire of her heart to Boaz, and it is appropriate. Because see, in ancient Hebrew culture, covering a woman with your blanket or shawl was similar to putting a ring on her finger. It was a proposal for marriage. It showed intent to marry. And so in this way, a man would say to a woman that he wanted to marry, he would say, I want to marry you. He would cover her. Ezekiel 16.8 talks about that, where God says that to his people. And so here, the roles are a little bit reversed. She's like a 21st century woman. Ruth is telling Boaz, hey, I I want you to marry me. She's not proposing, because that's not proper in their culture. She's asking, will you take me as your wife? Will you take me as your wife? But I also think that Ruth is asking for something else. I, I honestly think that Ruth is asking to be intimate with him. Now listen, nothing happened sexu- sexually outside of marriage. They did not have a sexual experience outside of marriage. But I think, listen to me here, I think Ruth is saying to Boaz, I want to be intimate with you, Boaz, as my wife, as your wife rather. I think she is expressing that to him. All too often, listen, singles that are in the room, all too often you are told that you should have no desires like this, that you should push back, that all kinds of desires like this for the opposite sex, it should not be anything that you should have. And singles go around, start thinking that sex is dirty and and cheap and nasty and then we tell you, save it for the one you love. What a conflicting message that is. God created this. I think it is God created for singles to have intimate desires for someone and you should channel those desires toward marriage. I think it's right. God created it before, if you're a Bible person, before the curse of sin, it was created. Hmm. I think Ruth is saying, Boaz... I'd love to be under your blanket as your wife. Her desire for Boaz is real. It's not a business transaction. That's the thing that I'm pushing in on here. We kind of read this story and we just think, well, it's the kinsman redeemer's role, responsibility, obligation to do this, and so he's just gonna marry her because that's what he's supposed to do. No, Ruth is saying, I really love you. I want to be your wife. She's not suggesting anything appropriate before the marriage. She's just giving Boaz a lot of incentive. Come on, baby, make this happen. (laughs) That's what she's saying. And guess what? Our man Boaz, he doesn't disappoint. Take a look. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man whether rich or poor. Ruth could have married any young man she wanted. Listen to me here. She was not a Hebrew. She was a Moabite. She was a foreigner. She could have chose any person. She didn't have to follow God's law, but she chose to follow God and trust God with her future. And this was exactly the kind of woman that Boaz was looking for. Boaz says, now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. Everyone knows the honor of Ruth. Your actions and your words match up. And guess what? This is exactly what they thought about Boaz as well, that he was an honorable man. So here you have two people, a man and a woman, who love God and live out that relationship with God in their everyday lives. Listen to me. You need to marry someone who loves and trusts God like you do. Boaz continues. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Dun, dun, dun. The tension builds right here, right? We thought it was going to be a slam dunk deal. They were going to get married and everything was going to be great. And he says, I would love to do this. I want to marry you too. But there is another. Come on, say that with me. Another. <laughs> there is another. We're going to see more about that other person, that other man next week. Ruth didn't know about this other guy. Boaz did. You know what that tells me? <laughs> Boaz was interested because he was checking in on her story he already knew there was another guy Naomi and Ruth didn't know that but he already knew hey there's another guy in line he's got first place I don't have first position to marry you he has first position to marry you and take the land but guess what if this guy doesn't want to do it (laughs) I'm in look what he says stay here tonight in the morning, I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then surely, as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. He's saying, if this guy doesn't want to do it, that's okay, because you know what? I'm going to make it happen because I want to marry you. Hmm. Boaz gives Ruth assurance that she'd be cared for. He tells her that he's going to take care of things right away. He says, tomorrow. It's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to handle things tomorrow. I will check into this this issue tomorrow. Ladies, this is the kind of guy you want to marry. I'm just telling you. A guy who makes things happen, takes initiative, and moves things forward. You do not want to marry a slacker, to use common language today. So, Ruth lays at Boaz's feet until morning. But she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For, guess who told her to do this? Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. He's he's protecting her reputation because in their culture, when the celebration was happening and at the end of harvest, there would be ladies of the night, prostitutes who would come and try to interest these young men, these harvesters, these workers, because you know why? They had a full pocket now. They had profit in their hands. These ladies were interested, and they would come. And Boaz is saying, I don't want this to be confused in anything inappropriate. I don't want anyone to confuse you as a prostitute. I don't want anything like that to take place. So you've got to scoot out of here before light comes up so that people can notice you. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak, spread it out. And he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. He's giving her a guarantee. You'll see this in just a minute. He's giving her a guarantee to take back, something tangible to take back to her mother-in-law. Because why? Because her mother-in-law was the one who said, you need to go after this guy and this is what you need to do. And chances are Ruth told him that. And so Boaz is saying, okay, let Naomi know, I got the message, I'm gonna make things happen. And when Ruth went back to her mother in law, Naomi, uh, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her. And she said, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother in law empty handed. I love what Naomi says here. Just be patient until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Isn't that good? Naomi is saying, he's going to make it happen. He's a man of his word. He's going to make this happen, and we will know how things go. And we probably read this whole story, and we kind of think, what? I mean, we're so, we're so removed from this. This is all so foreign to us because it's so cultural, and it's so contextual in this ancient culture. In ancient Israel, as, as widows in a male-dominated society, Ruth and Naomi had no social status. No economic means to survive. There, there was no social security system. There was no welfare. There were no food stamps. There, were no, there was no government aid. Widows were penniless and homeless if they had no men to protect them. That's the culture that they were living in. And yet God knew that something like this might happen. And so as I said earlier in Leviticus 25 and Deuteronomy 25, we read that in his plan, God provided through a redeemer. A person who could redeem the family line and the family land if they were willing and qualified. Why would God make such a provision? I mean, think about it. He's he's thinking ahead. Why would he do this? It's because we need to know, and this is what you need to get down in your outline. Ready? Here it is. We need to know that none of us are ever in a situation beyond God's ability to redeem. That's the point. None of us, you and I, none of us are in, ever in a situation that is beyond the ability of God to redeem. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are, no matter what has been done to you, no matter what you have faced, no one is ever in a situation that is beyond God's ability to redeem. God knows where you are today. Today. He knows all about your situation, which is it's true for Naomi and Ruth, the Redeemer, law, was there for them. But they didn't know about the other guy. I mean, think about this. They didn't know there was this other guy, Ruth and Naomi didn't know there was a closer relative than, than Boaz, and if the other guy says no to Ruth. It's over. It's because the law only works if the Redeemer marries the widow. The law only works if the Redeemer redeems. See, if the closest relative won't marry the widow, the widow remains helpless. No home, no money, no hope. Oh, but, but wait a minute. Remember, remember what Boaz said? Our guy, Boaz, remember what he said? Boaz told Ruth, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. If he's willing to redeem you very well, let him marry you. Boaz is saying, listen, Ruth, I, I just want you to know, This is not my responsibility. There is another guy who this lays on. It's his responsibility. For this other guy, he's supposed to do this. This is not my responsibility. There is a closer relative that is responsible to redeem you. Boaz didn't have to say yes. He's not legally the guy. Boaz didn't have to do this. Boaz wasn't obligated or responsible. But but what does he say to Ruth? If he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. I'm not legally the guy, but I will marry you. I'd love to marry you. Even if the other guy won't, Boaz will marry her because he loves her. Boaz isn't marrying Ruth because he has to. He's marrying Ruth because he wants to. This points to everything that Jesus has done. If you don't know, the Old Testament is consistently, constantly pointing towards the Messiah, who we know in the New Testament is Jesus. And the Old Testament is constantly pointing to this person who would come and would redeem Out of love for you and me, this love story of Boaz and Ruth is an awesome portrayal of the love story between Jesus and those who follow him, the Redeemer coming into the the scene and changing the life of someone that he loves. Jesus wasn't obligated to redeem you and I. He doesn't have to. He chooses to, because he wants to, because he loves us. I love what Jesus says in John 15. I love this verse. You didn't choose me. Jesus says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. You, me, It's all about grace. It's not legality. It's not obligation. It's all about love. Get this down. Jesus wants to be involved in my life because he loves me. He loves you. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this is a statement that I need to hear. I I have always struggled with the fact that Jesus died on a cross for me. Listen to me. For some reason, maybe, maybe the way I was raised, my background, I don't know. I was raised in church, and it, sometimes church messes you up, so I'll just be honest with you, or church people do sometimes. I, I've, I've always taken the idea that Jesus died on a cross. I've always taken this idea, and I've put it into the grid of, because I sinned, Jesus had to die for me. You follow me? Because I sinned, Jesus had to do this. Jesus had to take my punishment. Because of the law that God established, Jesus had to do this for me. Because of what I did, Jesus had to do this. That's what I've always thought. This week, I felt like he spoke to my heart. And he said, "Bart." I love you, and I'm in your life because I want to be, because I have chosen you. Friends, Jesus loves you. He wants you to experience the best in life and Jesus knows that he is the only one who has the best to offer you in life. And so my question to you today, are you gonna be like Ruth? Are you gonna come to your Redeemer? Are you gonna ask him to step fully into your life? Are you gonna ask him to redeem your life? Are you gonna ask him to bring about his best in your life? I realize this may seem like a big risk. It was for Ruth. It's hard to give up control, isn't it? I mean, it's difficult to surrender to someone or something without knowing all the details. It's it's difficult to surrender, to give up control. But sometimes, listen to me here, sometimes you simply gotta trust Jesus, your Redeemer, wants you to come to him. Jesus wants you to ask him to step fully into your life. Jesus wants you to trust him completely, to to completely transform your life. Jesus wants to bring about his best in your life. And all you have to do is come to him. If you don't know Jesus, if you're not close to Jesus today, you need to come to him, friend. Just just like Ruth did with Boaz. You know why? Because Jesus loves you and he wants to be involved in your life. If you want to come closer to Jesus than you've ever been before, come to his feet in worship. He will meet you there and he will change the course of your life.